Tell me a story, Baba. What story, my son? About Wakanda. Welcome to Once Upon a Time in Wakanda. I'm Tyler. I'm Bo. I'm Aaron. And this is a pod all about the background, comic story, and the amazing movie Black Panther. What's up, gentlemen? How y'all doing? Good, man. It's going to be good. Excited to be a part of this conversation. This is crazy. So Black Panther is a phenomenon, and all of us love it in different ways. I just want you guys to tell me what is your introduction to the Black Panther character? We have mm. to start there and then we'll transition to the phenomenon and everything. And then I think through this, people will get to know us a little bit better. So, Aaron, what was your first introduction to Black Panther as a character? All right. So don't throw anything at me. My introduction to Black Panther. You're going to say the movie. You're going to say that your introduction to Black Panther was the film. No, no. My introduction to Black Panther was Civil War. Uh, well, See, that's even worse. See, that's like even worse I know, because I know. your introduction to Black Panther, even though it's a different type of film, is Captain America. That's what you said. <laughs> Captain America introduced you to Wakanda. <laughs> yes, yes. Thank you, Steve Rogers. And then you uh, realize your, your ancestry was meant to be there. Exactly. But what he did, though, was, you know, Civil War, definitely an epic action film. But man, there was this gravitational pull for me towards T'Challa hmm. in Civil War. So like to me, he he took the movie over. Like once his character uh, was introduced in the film, from from there it was like, all right, just just more more of that right there. Right. He was such an intriguing, uh, just complex character. Um, the way he was introduced. From there, man, it was just, I was just left like, all right, just just more of that, more of that. And, and he kind of sat above all the characters in the sense that he he carried himself completely differently than than the other superheroes. He yeah. wasn't, even in the fight, even in that that airplane, the airport scene where they're fighting each other, he was like, kind of like, man, stop playing. Like, he wasn't joking. He wasn't, <laughs> he was very serious about his task. So that's 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 fair. I mean, you're late to the party. So Aaron's kind of kind of, you know, he's he's the person that if you're listening, you're not familiar with the comics, you haven't been following Black Panther for decades. This is Aaron. Aaron will channel all your thoughts. <laughs> well, and ask ask the good questions, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, yes. So we not it's okay, brother. Yo, there's hope for y'all, okay? <laughs> but I thought in Wakanda there's no CP time. So you got to catch up, okay? <laughs> there's no CP time in Wakanda. <laughs> Bo, what was your introduction to Black Panther? I know you you probably have to go back many years for this. Well, so the, you know the funny thing is I'm I'm thinking I, I was actually trying to figure out if Black Panther was actually featured in the 90s era of uh, Marvel cartoons. Uh, X-Men, Spider-Man, that was very influential to me like mm. back in the day. 90s 90s X-Men. Hmm. Like I I think that show should be required viewing like like in yeah. most high yeah. schools in America. Like it's a it's a fantastic show. The last season is a little it got a little weird in the last season, but everything everything up until that yes. was amazing. Phenomenal show. I don't think he was in So, you know, this is kind of interesting. I think one of my first uh memorable or at least kind of reintroductions to Black Panther actually came in the form of Civil War. But hang on. You got 
guys. Whoa, 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 whoa. See? Okay, the comic. The comic. Okay, yeah. Uh, the okay. comic. That's right. <laughs> so in the comic Civil War, uh, uh, Black Panther is actually approached by Reed Richards to be part of the the initiative, the the solution to kind of uh, enforce the, what is going on in America. Now in the comic, it's actually very centralized to America. It's not you know this this kind of world issue. It's more of an American issue. Uh, that being the quote hero problem. Uh, and, and Black Panther says, you know what? We're in Wakanda. We're good. Like, this has nothing yes. to do with me. And by the yes. way, you need to, you know, he, like he's watching Reed and he's like, when's the last time you've talked to your wife? He's kind of trying to give him marital advice in the midst of all this. <laughs> that's yeah, that's the child. Exactly. And so, uh, and so that was kind of a, a reintroduction to the character. I also recall that he, uh, you know, kind of echoing that as well, leading up to Civil War, we were introduced to the concept of the Illuminati. Uh, yes. In the Marvel comics. Talk a little bit about the Illuminati because people need to understand this just briefly because we could just stay here in the Illuminati. But when people hear that, they're going to be like, what does this mean? Tell them about these collection of heroes. Yeah, absolutely. So so in the, the Civil War in the comics, um, you know, this the, what they were presenting was going to be seismic. It was going to rewrite the Marvel universe as it was known. And it was going to present some heroes in villainous lights and try to present an argument that could exist strongly for either side. It was a massive undertaking in terms of like story crafting. And so they kind of had to do the groundwork and kind of say, you know what, this argument has been here, uh, even though it necessarily hasn't been in the forefront. So the concept of the Illuminati was created and that's this organization, the secret society of heroes. Uh, that was uh, created by Iron Man and Reed Richards, Reed Richards of the Fantastic Four. And what they did is they reached out to who they felt were the most powerful, most influential uh, members of the Marvel Universe at that time on on a hero level, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they got themselves, of course, they got Namor, Doctor Strange, uh, uh, Professor Xavier, and uh, and T'Challa. Is Black Gold in that too? Yes, Black Bolt okay. was in there of the Inhumans. Uh, their first ever meeting was actually in Wakanda. Wow. And Black Panther, you know, he said like, look, you're welcome here for this. You know, I've got respect for all of you. We've all fought together. We've all bled together. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm giving you this room. But I'm not part of this and don't ever come yep. back here again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he, hey, he's just like, that's it. He's like, I wash my hands of this because part of it, and I, I could be wrong, but I want to say like their first, uh, the first kind of idea was they were meeting to deal with the Hulk. Uh, and they, I think they were, were coming up with this concept of how do we how do we deal with them? Let's let's shoot them up into space where you can't right. hurt anybody. Mm-hmm. And it's like and T'Challa's like you're you're turning on your friends, on your brothers, like the people that you have fought with. Like I will not be part of this at all. Right. Yeah. And they they would actually be some fascinating villains for Black Panther too. By the way, just that whole idea. Black Panther and, versus the Avengers. Yeah, well, versus the Illuminati in particular. Mm. But that would be and then kind of a little mini civil war there. But that, thank you for that because I think people need to understand kind of the Illuminati backstory and how T'Challa and Wakanda, they insert themselves and then step out of the conflict (laughs) in and out as much as they want. Exactly. Uh, For me, man, Black Panther wasn't something I really grew up on. But when I was getting back into comics, and I think it was probably about eight, nine years ago, getting back into comics, coming out of college, and I walked into the comic book shop and I saw this who is Black Panther (laughs) in that iconic kind of cover with the cape and everything. And it was a Reginald Hudlin run Mm. of Black Panther. And so I kind of got back into it then, which was a little interesting because I didn't really connect to Hudlin, which I guess we can talk about in a little bit. Um, When I rediscovered Christopher Priest, I connected a whole lot more with his run. But Reginald Hudlin kind of made it super Black 
and kind of a little over the top. And I was just kind of like, oh, I was just, I wasn't really connected. You know, I was still trying to figure out, you know, what my blackness meant and all these things. And so it kind of, it turned me off a little bit, but I'm, I'm thankful I found it to kind of familiarize myself with the character because it was necessary for all the stuff we're going to talk about. So for you guys who are listening, Once Upon a Time in Wakanda, we're going to go through a deep dive into the Black Panther comics, the film, the history, the writers, the artists, but particular character studies. So we know most of you guys have seen Black Panther, so you know Shuri, uh, you know Zuri, you know Ramonda, um, you know Nakia, you know Okoye, you know M'Baku, you know Killmonger, and of course you know T'Challa. So we're going to pick out some of these characters and do a deep dive into them and just expose some things you might not have known and then argue a little bit because I think it's not a podcast, so we're going (laughs) to argue a little bit. Oh, that's right. And as we talk about Black Panther, the phenomenon, I got to make this statement because I think it's important. When it comes to the movie Black Panther, I've been thinking about this. Aaron, Bo, I'm ready to make this statement. Oh, here it comes. (laughs) I believe, listen, by my own criteria, which I'll give y'all, and this will be our first argument, I guess. (laughs) Black Panther is the greatest blockbuster in modern American movie history. Mm. The greatest blockbuster film in modern American movie history. And modern as defined by. Okay, so yeah, so basically modern is post-1960. So I'm not trying to box with... That is a bold uh, See, I'm not not trying to box with uh, Gone with the Wind or anything like that, okay? But I'm saying based upon my criteria. So I'll give you my criteria in a second. But the first thing I want to know is agree, disagree, I'm bugging, I'm crazy. All right, so I want to... (laughs) He's like, yo, I want to agree like, with you. I like, this is part agree, of the, yes, right, right, right. But if we're talking about, man, and, and so, and when you say blockbuster, you're not just talking about the box office. You're not just talking about, good, you know, yeah. the, the financial impact, right? No, no, no. And so, okay. you're talking because because here's what I think about. So if I, man, there are just so many great franchises. So if we're going back, one of the first ones that I think about, if we're talking about post 1960. And uh, The Godfather. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You know, uh, and, and just the way it resonated at that, what was happening at that time. Sure. It's like the country was 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 coming to grips with the reality. Uh, like, for instance, after denying that there was such a thing called the mafia and things of that sure, nature. Yeah, so yeah. now the country's coming to Greek, coming to, you know, and, and Coppola, you know, just puts together yes. uh, two, not three, two. Yo, Phenomenal three movies. is not that bad. Okay, that's another podcast. But Godfather Three ain't as bad as y'all. It's make. not as bad. It's just not on the same playing field. Yeah, but yeah. I'm just saying it's still phenomenal. Godfather Three was great. Yeah. Then, okay. Anyway, continue. And so, and and then I Bo could probably take it from here because if we push into the 70s, mm. uh, late oh, 70s, no. uh, early mm-hmm. 80s. Um, we got to talk about, <laughs> man, we, we got to talk about Star Wars. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> yeah. So, so um, I'll say this. Okay. Black Panther is up there. Okay. It is yeah. up there because of, and you know, I know you're about to make, make your argument. I'm about to make my case. And, and, uh, and so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to argue against the case you haven't made yet, but I will say this. <laughs> it's, it's up there because I remember after getting out of the movie the second time going on Twitter, I was like, look, stop what you're doing. Go see this movie. It is an experience. It is something that you have to experience in theaters. It's not mm. something you can yeah. watch on Netflix. You will, you'll want to, you'll watch it again, but it's not something like it, you will have missed it. 
if you did not experience it in theaters. And so from that standpoint, it is definitely on up there, but you're going to really have to make a case as to why it is the top. I mean, like, again, I'm with you, but, but, but maybe not, you know. All right. All right. Let me, let me, let me cook. Let me, let me tell you all my criteria. All right. So number one, I'm not saying that it's the best movie of all time. Okay. That's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about that one. Yes. I'm talking about, (laughs) we were in the podcast. I know. But blockbuster film, that means huge budget, $100 million plus budget, two hundred big million, stars. I think at least it yes, was. it was $200 yeah. million in particular. But mm-hmm. I'm saying if it's over $100 million, it's a blockbuster film, major budget. You're trying to get that money back. Big stars, whether it's Oscar winners, Oscar nominated actors, actors with household names. Black Panther has all that. So it's a blockbuster film. Now it's in the off season, which is very fascinating to me that it was released in February, which is perfect because it's Black History Month. But mm-hmm. if it were released in the summer, what would we see as far as numbers, you know, which we may find out here in a couple of years with Black Panther 2. But so my criteria is fivefold. So number one, the obvious criteria for a movie, if we're going to say greatest, is it's got to make a ton of money. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's got to make tons of money. And Black Panther exceeded all expectations. Disney's expectation pro- projection for Black Panther as far as opening weekend box office was like ninety five to one hundred fifteen million dollars. Really, it ends up getting two hundred one, so it almost doubles Disney's projections. Okay, so right there, just off the top, it makes tons of money. Now I'm assuming it gets over a billion dollars, um, which basically, if it, we just need to call up some some black churches, just go take it, your congregation to Yo. go see it after church on Sunday. <laughs> the old passion treatment. Yeah. yeah, we just need to go ahead and do that. Um, but so I, I think it's going to get one to $1.5 billion. I agree. Okay? So that's number one. It's going to make a ton, ton of money. I think it clears that. Now, number two is audience approval. And this is connected to number one, because if you don't have audience approval, people are not going to spend the money on it. We're not going to get an expansion on the box office. So audience approval, I think the cinema score is what? A plus or something in that category. I think people love it. There's lots of reviews and diverse people. So it's not just for, it's Black Panther, but it's not just for uh, people of color. It's not just for an African-American or an African audience, but it's for everyone. Everyone can kind of vibe with it and grasp the meaning. That's number two. Now, number three, critical approval. This is important because the critics need to like it. Okay. And that's important because it really speaks to the quality of the filmmaking. So from a story, from execution, from editing, from cinematography, from costumes, all that. It, and it has very high critical praise. So from people within the genre, from people outside of the genre, from people who hate Marvel movies, from people who love Marvel movies. A lot of people say this redeemed the MCU, which we can talk about in a little bit. Ooh. Tons of money, audience approval, critical approval. <laughs> Bo just gave me that look like, what are you talking about? Redeemed? But if you take those three, tons of money, audience approval, critical approval. If you take any movie that has those three, it's a short list. It is a very short short list. list. That's a short list. Absolutely. Now, so we're automatically reducing to the top 5% of blockbusters. Because as we talk about critical approval, we're not talking about Jurassic World. Okay. We're not talking about Jurassic World as it comes to critical approval. I'm going to have to agree with that. <laughs> yeah, we're not talking about that. We're not talking about critical approval when it comes to Transformers, when it comes to... I, I like Jurassic World. <laughs> I liked it too. I'm just saying... I'm like, well, I know I'm in the minority. The critics wouldn't give it a 90 on, on Rotten Tomatoes, right? No, no, I mean, right, the critics right. wouldn't give it like, ah, oh, man, this could win awards or whatever. And so 
I think you're missing out with some of these films that make tons of money. Like you're not getting critical approval when it comes to Fast and Furious, okay? But then I think that the last two kind of take it to another He's level. He's building a pretty compelling case right I'm not now, even Bo. done yet. I'm just getting started. <laughs> Let's see. The last two, I think, put it over the top. Because as you talk about Star Wars, as you talk about some of the other films, whether it's Titanic, Avatar, whatever, there's a cultural moment that Black Panther touches into mm. that makes it an experience. Because now people are kind of coming in contact. It came at the perfect time. And I even said it a couple of weeks before the film. And people are kind of sitting back there like, man, what do you mean now is the perfect time for it to come out? It's the perfect time for it to come out. We have the administration in the White House that we have right now. Okay. We are coming off the previous administration, which was a huge moment for American catharsis as it comes to race relations, even though we can talk about, you know, whether or not that was reality or not. But those things were very important for the for the consciousness. And then the desire to see representation met with this overwhelming black cast. 90% of the cast is African or African-American. That's huge. And then you take the moment and the phenomenon of dressing up, making it an event, coming mm. together. We had a PTM <laughs> meetup. If you don't know, pass the mic. We had a pass the mic meetup. And, and it was crazy. We had 50 people there. So you have all these other people who are coming together to see it. And then the last thing that puts it over the top is commentary. It is a complex, nuanced, layer film. And that means that people are not just going and liking it. And then it's a moment like, you know, your Force Awakens or what have you, where Star Wars is back. Star Wars always going to make money. It's always going to make, even if the film is yeah. trash, it's going to make money. See Phantom Menace, <laughs> see Attack of the Clones, see Revenge of the Sith. Even if the movie's bad, it's still going to make money. But are you going to be talking about it afterwards? Are there going to be reflections, deep reflections? Is there going to be lingo that is automatically introduced into this? See, that's why I, I see, see point five. That's why point five is so connected to point four. I think, exactly. I think without point four, the, the commentary, it, it, it wouldn't be, you know, it wouldn't have that same amount of depth and things right. like that. So I right. see why you waited to put those two together. Exactly. So those two kind of take it to another level. So that's my fivefold. And again, Star Wars, I'm not saying it's the best. I'm not saying Black Panther is the best franchise of all time. But I think maybe the only thing that would come close, if you're talking about Avatar, Avatar would kind of come close in the sense of it was a cultural moment. But the reflective commentary about it post doesn't really fit into that. And because it was kind of like a cinema phenomenon, and it was kind of like this technological marvel of showing things on screen that we hadn't seen before. It was the first film that cost like a half a billion dollars. Yeah, it was yeah. crazy, but, man. but even even Avatar, I mean, I, I've always argued that Avatar is special for for what it displayed, but the story wasn't really that compelling. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't as timeless as some of the other movies that you mentioned. So Black Panther blows Avatar out of the water. Okay, like, that's definitely. good. That's that's light work then. Definitely, that's light work but, then. But okay. here's but here's the thing, and this is this is this is where I would the only thing I would I would kind of challenge is if it, if you make modern more of like modern as in the uh, you know eighty eighties on or, or perhaps like nineties on, then absolutely, yeah, without okay. question. Okay, I, I will that. I will even this is where I'll even I'll do my best to compromise with you. It's on that Star Wars level, but I can't I like but that's the thing like to say that Black Panther like take Star Wars place in terms of being what, what I would personally consider in terms of like hmm. uh, a, a defining blockbuster film. You go to anybody, they know what Jedi is. You can use Jedi in any context and almost sure. anybody, like everybody just has this 
uh, this this understanding. It's in the eternal zeitgeist because of the work yes. that it did. Yeah. But I, I should clarify, when I say Star Wars, I'm not talking about Star Wars, the franchise, although that's part of it. And that's an unfair advantage that Star Wars has because yeah. it has a franchise, whereas Black Panther in its current iteration will have its own franchise. You anticipated my argument. But, <laughs> but it will obviously <laughs> be favorite. a, uh, it will obviously be, you know, a, a kind of a sub franchise within a grander franchise. And so from that standpoint, you know, I will say it is on that Star Wars level. I told people go out and see this because it reminded me of seeing Star Wars. And mm. I remember seeing episode seven. I'm not going to, I would say that I, I would not compare this with episode seven because they do different things and they kind of serve different yes, purposes. I agree. I agree. But I would say that when I first saw uh, the the episode seven crawler, you know, with the dance and, and like, you know, it just episodes. And I, I remember I almost teared up because I was like, I never thought I'd see anything like this. Wow. And so, and so, but at the same time, I recognize not necessarily the opening of black Panther, but the intro to Wakanda as that kind of powerful moment mm. where this is like, man, this is special. Like this is, I never thought I'd see anything like this plus in. And again, this is where the, the beauty of the of the medium of being kind of in that large, you know, when we watched it here in Pensacola where we're broadcasting now or recording now, it was in the the IMAX and so just this like Bruh. immersive screen going in and yes. you know, that it never gets old. Like, man, it's never gonna get old. Like yes. that was that was powerful. That's see, you just said it, man. <laughs> it's never going to get old. Aaron, you gotta back me up here. You know, I feel because like, Bo makes a compelling point about. You Star know what Wars. I feel like? I feel like uh, I'm Festus and Bo is Agrippa and Tyler. Wow. Tyler is Paul. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, well, oh, you almost, I almost you got almost. you. Almost. I mean, Man. look, those five points are look. They are profoundly compelling. So, so Bo mentioned a couple of things that I would like to see. So, for instance, he 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 mentioned how Star Wars vernacular is you know it's just kind of it's normal you know like to say if i say i'm a you know and i've said that before you know uh talking about other people like man that dude is a jedi knight at such and such and so and and the person or people hearing that automatically assume well he's saying that they're very very good you know um i believe that black panther has that potential right you know i believe it has that potential especially as people learn more and um and and as the movie continues growing popularity and just right. kind of works its way uh uh through throughout the culture so i mean it's close man. dora milaje may, might be like a new like it might be that new jedi mm. in context mm-hmm. so i mean yeah. like you know there, there could be not but not i don't mean see this is I where this mean, is what yeah. i'm saying like it can't like i don't think it would like circumvent that but i think that it can become in that kind of similar level so that's where i kind of see them okay so star it's wars is that the level. only thing though but star wars is the only thing that's preventing sure it. sure or i mean you, and you and you me mentioned personally. god you mentioned godfather and I think Godfather's impact on hip hop and on cultural language yeah. kind of makes sense in in that regard. Go to as the well. mattresses, sleeps with yeah, the fishes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Know? It'll make them an offer you can't refuse. Yeah, it's like, yeah. okay, yeah. So I, I understand that. I, and I'll as long as we can get in the top five, <laughs> as long as we can get in the top five, I'm good. I'm good. Okay. I just want to make my case that Black Panther, I think we're underselling the cultural moment. Because we're in it and we can't see how crazy mm. this is. Well, mm. see, here's my thing. I think so. When we're talking about whether or not it's the greatest blockbuster of all time in the modern era, where I still I still think that there's potential. What I mean by that is so all of these other films that we've been talking about, with the exception of Star Wars, has ba- have basically made their run, mm. and so they're relatively static, right? Right. Right. 
Black Panther is not static. It's not. And it's so I'm going. saying that there, At the there, time there this is, recording is still yeah, going. there is yet room and potential, you know, for it to eclipse, you know? And so that's, that's what makes, that's what creates tension within me for your argument. So on one hand, I'm like, man, I want it to be, but just kind of like when I'm weighing stuff, it has the potential to be, yeah. you know? And the reason I'm saying this now is because I wanted to say pre-Black Panther, I wanted to publicly say Black Panther is going to make $200 million in its opening, three-day opening weekend. I wanted to say that. Uh I wanted to say that so bad, but I was like, yo, I don't know uh, the projections, but I felt it in my bones. Like, I felt Black (laughs) Panther was going to make $200 million, and I didn't say it. And now I'm like, man, I should have just went ahead and said it because it was going to exceed all these expectations. And now I'm feeling like I don't want to be left behind anymore. (laughs) I want to lead this charge, man. Come on. I don't want to be left out of Wakanda. That's good. That's good. Hey, I'll, I'll say this too. You know, one of the things they did brilliantly is uh, because of the nature of what what Wakanda is and what it represents, and being kind of disconnected but still like aware, very much kind of aware of the world around it. There wasn't too many references that would date the movie. That's good. That being said, there wow, were that's a, a good few. Point. But they never relied on it. For example, they went with the moon. What are those? Yes. But yes. if you didn't know what that was, you didn't have to to like think that moment was funny. Exactly. Yeah. Universal. On, on top of that, I think this was. I, I you know I don't know if it was intentional for this reason or not, but it certainly serves as. Shuri makes uh, Shuri makes the uh, reference to um, Back to the Future, but she never says Back to the Future. She just says mm. that old American film that that Dad used to watch. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> so yes. like all of those little ways where it's like, all right, if you know what she's talking about, great. If you don't, you don't have to for to get Yo, the re- what's really so going on good. here. So huh. they they did set themselves up to be that. Uh, that movie that no matter what era it, it's watched in, be it in the modern era where it, it has such a uh, an impact as to what's going on today, or in uh, 20, 30 years now from where, where you know today will be history, then it'll still hold up. It'll still be yeah. exactly the film it is and, and work really, really well. So I think we can all agree that what makes Black Panther unique is Wakanda. Mm. And yes. this podcast is called Once Upon a Time in Wakanda. And so we need to start in Wakanda. Cue the tribal music. Cue the shoulder shakes. Do all that. Cross your arms. Yeah. Because Wakanda is crazy. Wakanda is completely unique. And I loved the Twitter hashtag in Wakanda. And so I grabbed some of my favorite in Wakanda tweets. And these mean a lot to me because I really want to move to Wakanda. I I wish it were real. And so one of these tweets is, in Wakanda, nobody puts Brussels sprouts or carrots in the macaroni and cheese. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> we don't need any additives in the macaroni. And, and here's the thing. If you say mac and cheese, now I know your mac, it's, it's not good. You got to say macaroni. Okay. You just got to say macaroni. In Wakanda, they just say macaroni. Another one is in Wakanda, uh, Mufasa. Mufasa is still alive. Come on, oh, come on, oh, come on. I, I think this is true. Come on. I think Mufasa is still here. I think he's still with us. And then my last one is, in Wakanda, teachers struggle to pronounce white people names. I was going to take that one. <laughs> Look, man. <laughs> and then they had the little Keegan-Michael Key skit where he's like, Jay Quellen and Balake and D-Nice. What about you guys? In Wakanda, what, what, what brought something to mind as you were reading through the hashtag? All right. So because I'm an 80s kid. I love the... Uh, Boy, you like a 70s uh, kid, man. Shut I up. don't know, man. <laughs> so, uh, Prince would greet us for our purification in Lake Minnetonka in Wakanda. 
Yo, that's kind of creepy though. Like, I, that's kind of creepy. We got a whole bunch of spiritual stuff going on in Wakanda, and then Prince throwing Prince in there is like, whoa. How would you like to go purify? <laughs> anyway, sorry, sorry. <laughs> so, and then um, all elevator music are songs by Earth, Wind, and Fire Ooh. in Wakanda. Come on, somebody. <laughs> that's good, bro. I didn't see that one. That's really good. I would stay in the elevator all day and just listen to September up and down, up and Bruh. down. <laughs> you could probably do that. All right, you stole my one about the names. Actually, I was going to steal that one from you, technically. Go ahead. Just go ahead. But, it's, but it's a good one. He's going to steal it. He was going to steal it from me. <laughs> I see what you did I there. See what you did there, bro. Hey, you can't hey, do hey, that bro. in Wakanda. You can't do that. Hashtag in Wakanda, I can't steal. You can't steal, bro. Uh, all right, how about this one? In Wakanda, uh, it's dressing, not stuffing. Yes. Come on. I was going to yes. say that. Amen. I was going to say that when you brought the mac and cheese. Yes. Gonna, so, yes. I love that one. And then this one right here, I think is. It's powerful. And Wakanda, you aren't pretty for a black girl. You're just pretty. Bruh, and you know, Wakanda really sets that up in the film to where beauty in particular, colorism, all these conversations that we're having Mm. in the American context that has been so westernized and is so influenced by colonialism, it sets it up. It kind of resets the universe. It kind of resets black expectation. And so Wakanda is a utopia in Africa. Of course, we know it's a fictitious place, a fictitious country, but it's set up as this paragon of technological achievement. There's, it's replete with resources and riches, the top resource in the world, vibranium. And vibranium, I was, I was doing some research in the comics. A couple of people have said that a gram would cost you $20,000. What? So when wow. T'Challa was selling off vibranium to people he would sell it to people who he felt like wouldn't use it for nefarious purposes and so he would take it and he would give you know twenty thousand per gram Mm -hmm. and so they said if you take the mountain of vibranium in wakanda and you said they had a certain number of tons they said that the gdp like the value of just vibranium in wakanda would be greater than the gdp of all the countries in the world like put together so we're talking like a hundred trillion dollars so 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 let's let's bring a little nerd knowledge right when we when we talk about vibranium what are we talking about so vibranium is basically the most valuable metal and the most valuable substance within the marvel cinematic universe and so it absorbs i believe it absorbs all sound or absorbs energy that's right so kinetic energy is is absorbed by it the uh this the quote you know the, the specialness of captain america's shield and we've seen this in the movies that came before is that it can take impact without him taking impact right. so it absorbs it and it disperses it now what we saw in uh black panther is that you know wakandans having having uh had this basically having their entire civilization uh, uh formed on top of this mountain of vibranium and utilizing it have done things with the metal that the rest of the world couldn't even dream of. Yes, uh, because of the uh, of the of the properties. There's also some implications in the movie that the vibranium, uh, the movie vibranium, is actually potentially tied to the soul stone, giving it yes. some mystical properties and also, you know, explaining a little bit of, you know, the heart-shaped herb and perhaps some more organic right. nature to it. I've even seen some commentary that say that vibranium is treated as a living metal to some extent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, there, there may be something there. 
in the comics, there's actually two uh, two types of vibranium. Talk you, about it. You got African vibranium, but then you also have uh, Antarctica or, or uh, uh, yeah, I think it's it's Arctic vibranium or Antarctic vibranium. Right, and they serve kind of two different purposes. And so there's there's not a whole lot you know, to, to to really kind of you know to pull from there, except for the fact to say that uh, there are two different types of vibranium. So they, it kind of opens up the potential for there to be. Uh, villainous vibranium yes. versus heroic vibranium. And what's mm. interesting is when we take the heart-shaped herb, one of the requirements if you wanted to become Black Panther wasn't just that you had to defeat the existing Black Panther, wasn't the, just ha- that you had to defeat the six greatest warriors within the realm at the same time, but you also had to be accepted by the heart-shaped herb. So you had to take and ingest the heart-shaped herb And it's basically like liquid vibranium, pretty Mm, much. mm. And so if you ingest it and it rejects you, then you die. Oh, wow. wow. (laughs) So if you ingest it and it rejects you like it did with Killmonger at one point, he was put into a coma. Huh. Right. And so then that was, you know, anyway, we'll get into that later when we talk about Killmonger and T'Challa. But so it even had some some religious, like spiritual mystic properties Mm. with it. So vibranium, I love to have some vibranium. Okay, I love to have it. Yes. But Wakanda has all of it. And so when Wakanda has all of it, they're filled with riches and they have they have technological advancements. As you can see in the movie, Everett Ross looks out and says, "Well, I've never seen it like this. I've never seen vibranium used this way." He even says something like like it, it works like magic or it looks like magic yes. and it's just kind of that, you know, uh, it's it's a trope in science fiction. Uh, that you know, uh, less civilized cultures look at technology as if it's magic, and so uh, to have Ross as uh, kind of the symbol of the outside world, the Western world, look and say this is magic, it furthers that like, hmm. yeah, no, it is so far beyond anything you could know or understand that, of wow. course, to you, colonizer, it looks like, uh, <laughs> huh? Yeah, yo, that is fascinating because I didn't cast that. Okay, we got to pull back here because we're nerding out. <laughs> but Wakanda is Aaron. This pan-african paradise yeah it's this beautiful place where black achievement and african expression not just with its technology and its advancement its riches but also with its uh, spiritual traditions Mm. and its its tribal expressions are kind of at this height and and the thing about it is Wakanda's never been colonized it's never been conquered so people say it's free from colonialism my question to you guys is: Is that is that really true? Is Wakanda free from colonialism? Is Wakanda free from Western invasion and imperialistic, um, you know, takeover of of its resources, or is that a farce? Initially, I would say that it is. It's true, but with several caveats. Okay, come on, right? Break it down. So, so. No, the Wakandan people are not dominated by any other culture, but it doesn't mean that they have not they have not been influenced hmm. by other cultures. Okay. And so and not just influence, but it also doesn't mean that their culture has not been interfered with, that that their borders and and that their lifestyle, that that, that their culture has not been infringed upon, that there have not right. been attempts. To, to come in and either siphon off their resources or, mm-hmm. you know, see exactly what's going on. And so it, it, it's kind of, no, <laughs> if wow. that makes mm-hmm. sense. You know, you know what I'm saying? Wow. Like, yeah. you know, like with a question mark, because there, yeah. there are several, it's like, we're free, but is there pure autonomy? Hmm. 
Yeah. What do, what does that even mean? What does that look like? Especially now that T'Challa in the in the movie context has opened himself up to the world. And so now opening himself up to the world, it invites invaders and opposing forces, yeah. right? Yeah. It invites colonization in some ways. Well, and you know, if you think about it, uh we 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 talked afterwards and, you know, when nobody knew Wakanda was there, one guy was still able to get in. You know yes. what I mean? And yes. so now when the entire world knows that you're sitting on the most powerful, you know, mm. the, the, the riches of the entire planet, which by the way, I think that came from space. I'm not really sure yeah. why you guys should have it. Shouldn't this be for all earthlings? Oh, so okay. yeah. Mm. All nations matter. Is that what you're saying? No, no. That's what they did to Africa um, when they came and took everything. So, um, <laughs> so but you know, you brought up you, when you were talking about the, 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 the heart shaped herb, right? right. And and it it would either accept or reject the person mm-hmm. uh, who happened to ingest it, and so there is like this there is like this cultural character element though, yeah, right. Huh. And, and so with with the civilization that is that has within its possession the most valuable element and the most technologically advanced society on the face of the planet, it's peaceful. They're not a warfaring people. Mm. So there's like, there is this, there is this benevolent character aspect, right? Yeah. Like to an extent, to an extent. And I think that's, that's the interesting part of this that we can touch on. Um, But before we get into that, I did want to say, if we're asking if Wakanda is free from colonialism, I'd say within the confines of the universe that it's created. Yes. But the universe was constructed by writers, if we're going to break the fourth wall, mm. who are not free from colonialism. That's true. So here's the thing. It, there are limitations to, to our Afrofuturistic imagination. So there are limitations to our Afrofuturism. So what we say is, oh, this is what it would look like if we were, if we were free from colonialism. And I say, I don't think we even can imagine what that looks like. Because colonialism is in everything. All right, wait. Well, you mm. said two things though. Like okay. before, you, you you said colonialism, but you also said imperialism. Those are two different two different things. things. Yes, and I think two different things. I think right. that Wakanda is free from colonialism, but it's not free from imperialism. I would argue because hmm. I think that imperialism, when it comes down to its most basic core concept, is like like the sin of humanity. Like at the end of the day, we are wow. all like, isn't, isn't that they're a core part of every single person, whether they choose to admit it or not, that is just trying to, you know, promote self and, and, and subjugate others in that, wow. you know, wow. quest yeah. for, you know, uh, you know, be it platforms, be it work, be it business, be it, you know, your community, wherever it is, yeah. just like that, that's kind of core to the human experience. We, wow. we exist, uh, unfortunately, <laughs> to some extent to, to right. conquer, to, to dominate, exactly. to subjugate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To yeah. subjugate. Hmm. That's really fascinating. And I think we especially see within the comics that that, that is throughout Wakanda's history as well. Right. That there are these warring factions, which we'll get into. But So the newbie over here was talking about how... Like, <laughs> 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 and I mean, if you... And see, here's the thing. Like, even I loved, absolutely loved the way that Coates in his new run describes kind of the warring factions. Right. And the dissension within the Wakanda idea. And the reason for that is shame um, over T'Challa. So Mm. the way in which T'Challa has left, the way in which T'Challa has involved himself with the affairs of the world has, and you even, they even hint at it in the movie. We don't need a warrior right now. We need a king. Mm. 
Wakanda doesn't need a warrior. And so it lends itself to this idea that there's always this this power vacuum, which I can't wait till we talk about M'Baku and we can talk about this power vacuum, which that's a teaser for an upcoming episode. But as we think about that, man, there's always going to be this imperialism that sits mm-hmm. in the heart of man. Mm-hmm. And, and we think of Wakanda as a utopia. We think of Wakanda as this special place. But if you're not in Wakanda... And you look like Wakandans look. Is it really special <laughs> if you can't yeah. access it? Hmm. And so the question is, man, how is this different? How does this, how is this, how is Wakanda this utopia? How is Wakanda this, this promised land? And I was thinking about the other two places and you mentioned, you know, invaders and we mentioned invaders. We talk about Doom. Um, we talk about Namor. We talk about Thanos, which we'll, which we'll get into later. All we characters talk about from villains. the comics. Yeah. Yes. All characters from the comics. And Doom has his own little version of par- paradise. Yeah. So, so the concept of a a world, a city separated from the rest of the world, uh, it's it's not you know it it's something you see come up in in science fiction, but but also in comics, and and it's not just a Marvel thing too. Yes. Um, you know, as as moviegoers uh, recently just experienced through uh, the Wonder Woman films over at DC or yeah. Wonder Woman, uh, the first Wonder Woman film. Was uh, Themyscira, which is this, you know, this this hidden island separated from the the rest of the world, kind of almost, you know, the the entry point, kind of similar almost to Wakanda, in that you've got Very this similar. holographic, you know, mystical uh, barrier and everything. But in many respects, there's a lot of similarities. But at the same time, those are the heroic cities. Mm. But there are villainous. There are villainous cities. There are also mm. uh, nations that are set aside, and you know. To some extent, we actually see that in the real world, right? We yes. actually do see that, uh, and so in the comics, it takes that that concept of um, you know a, a cult of self, a, a nation that is cut off from the rest of the world, and adds that super element that brings it up to that fantastic level. And when you mention somebody like Doom, great example of that. Doctor Doom uh, of the Fantastic Four, but really a huge Marvel villain, yes. could present quite a foe for. Uh, for T'Challa because of Latveria. Yes. And it being its own place where its elite doom squad and guards would die for the ruler and we conquer everything. And it's it's crazy to think about, but there's always this fine line between, you know, utopia and dictatorship. There's always this really fine line between Very. between, mm. oh, this is a place where we're free free to to explore complexity and where we're being dominated. Oh, dude. Okay. So this probably comes in a little bit more when we're going to talk about Shuri down the line. But I was thinking about uh, that from a technological standpoint. We live in an Apple versus Android versus Windows world, right? Yes. But Wakanda is built off of technology that like, is all like at that, at that stage in the game, Shuri is dictating everything. Like she is, and she mm. has created this beautiful, it, it's an Apple paradise to some extent. Wow. But in order for it to yeah. all work, it all has has to be controlled by this one individual. Now, you know, you want, we wouldn't want anybody better than Shuri, but as an Android guy, whoo, I don't know how I felt about that. But M'Baku even says that, right? He comes right? in and challenges and says, you put all your technological resources. Do the voice, do the voice. In the, <laughs> no, <laughs> in the hands of this girl who does not respect tradition. <laughs> And so what we see here is, man, that's there's a thin line. And so for someone who's on the outside looking in, we long for Wakanda. But if Wakanda were real, mm. we'd be upset. There's questions. See, but 
I think the the dark underbelly of that is you have the utopia, right? And we we've seen this we've seen this play out in actual human history. Mm-hmm. The the lengths that people are willing to go. So you start off with this ideal where your intentions are good, but then you discover that either in order to attain it or in order to maintain it, yes, you end up coming against the very complexity that you want it to begin with. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's wow. the fight there. You know, like so, like you said, you know, so we're very, you know, it, it's complex, but but in terms of technology, there there was one central hub. You know, so in the midst of all of that complexity, well, how complex is it if we're all looking to the same place? <laughs> and is there if someone any connected to it? the royal family, so it's an elite controlling it. You yeah. know, so how much is and then someone's even brought up, man, all this Wakandan technology, this vibranium is lending itself to weaponry. And so how much of that is even kind of this westernized, oh, we make the best weapons? I mean, is there more to it? And, and you know, that person mm. hasn't read the comics. So I know that there's there's a whole lot in Wakanda, including the cure for cancer and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. So I, I know that there's a whole lot that their technological advancement has produced. But even perceiving that way, man, Wakanda's got some, they got some questions to answer, man. Indeed. There, there is something beautiful about the, uh, you know, the way that it allows your imagination to to roam into how it could be this utopia, but but the complexities are what make it a very interesting place. And I think that that lends itself to being a vast canvas for some amazing stories in the future uh, on the big screen and has in the past for the comics. You know, you mentioned Coach Run really diving into it. I think also too of seeing uh, the very few times, and I think it was only two scenes that we actually see the streets of Wakanda. Yes. And, and in that, like T'Challa's, pretty separate from it. Like he's up on the stairs watching his people go by, you know what I mean? And so there, you know, not that there's, you know, you, you didn't get the sense that like, there's this sense of oppression that people feel, but at the same time, there's definitely a sense of separation. So how much about the culture do we actually know? Not much yet should be for, uh, it should Man. make for some really interesting movies. <laughs> there's some striking parallels there. Yeah. Right. Yes. With biblical narrative. It is, right? yeah. Mm, so, so a great example would be you mentioned T'Challa, you know, being elevated above the people and he's kind of looking down. Everybody's kind of, you know, I immediately think about Solomon hmm. and his reign. So when you're reading Solomon in the midst of his reign, the way, the, riches, way the narrative yeah. goes, there, there's lots of riches. I mean, gold and silver are common. Hmm. In that point, there's 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 buildings uh, being constructed. There's commerce and all of those things. And at that point, and I mean, oh, and the temple is just this amazing place that is that that's a place that even other foreign dignitaries want to come hmm. and, and look and hmm. see what's going on, right? But very interesting part of that is that when you get to Solomon's death and his son Rehoboam is now reigning. The people actually come to him and they plead with him for their for the the their labor load basically hmm. to be decreased. They're tired. Wow. So hmm. in the midst of all of that building, in the midst of all of that commerce, and in the midst of all of that process, it was on the backs Ooh. of those people. And they come to Rehoboam and they're pleading for him to so oh yeah, yeah. So you Yo, see what I'm saying? Crazy. Man, there's so much to to discover about Wakanda and I'm looking forward to the future episodes where we can dive into these characters, but Wakanda will always kind of be under this microscope of 
both mystery and question at the same time. Mm. We're kind of questioning what it is. And as we talk about in future episodes, the characters do a really good job of that. So thank you guys for coming on this journey with us. It's just the first episode, but we'll see you next time on Once Upon a Time in Wakanda. Once Upon a Time in Wakanda is brought to you by The Witness, a black Christian collective, and produced by Pottery Studios. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to check out the entire first season, now available at wakandapodcast.com. And keep the discussion going by following us on Twitter at Wakanda Podcast. This episode was brought to you in part by the audio adventure series Discovery Mountain. Help your kids fall in love with the Bible. Each true-to-life adventure story will draw them closer to Jesus. Visit discoverymountain.com/ct.